Hey there, welcome back to the Path to Zion podcast, where we are rediscovering the ancient way. Thank you for tuning back in and for giving us a few more moments of your time as we talk about what? Let there be light. Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, Yahweh creator, Elohim of all Elohims, the one who was and is and is to come, and there's none like him, there's none even barely to his left, to his right, or even in the vicinity, other than those bowing down before him, throwing their crowns down, saying, you're holy and I'm garbage by comparison. This creator spoke this mysterious phrase with an exclamation point, let there be light. So we are asking the question, what is the light? And as I said, there are many potential answers to this. It's a very broad topic, or at least it could be if we allowed it to be. We are narrowing it down to two, Yeshua and Father's Torah. Part one, we talked primarily about Yeshua, and, and we read, I don't know, 10, 12 verses um, specific unto that point about the connections of Yeshua salvation being given as a light to the nations, to all peoples. This light has, has shone down, and it has extended itself to whomever will receive this light for who he is now. We're not talking some artificial grow light that's over here in the corner of your kitchen. I'm talking about the real light. Anyone who comes to me, he would say, not me, will find life. So we've talked about that a little bit in part one. Now, part two, I said we're going to move into to, uh, all the scriptures about, not all the scriptures, but all the scriptures I've compiled that will be more specifically towards Ketorah, be the light in Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, when, when Yahweh said, let there be light. Well, if, if without any proper understanding or biblical basis for what Torah really is, I would, I would just caution you to be careful. If you're not like, what in the world are you talking? How could a burdensome, you know, how could this burdensome list of do's and don'ts be light that's in Genesis chapter 1, verse 3? Well, friend, I would just say pause this video and spend the next 12 months figuring out what Torah really is <laughs> because we've got to have a baseline of where we're going to move out of from that basic understanding. So let's just get right to the text. It's way more, way better than anything I could say. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 21 Excuse me, 20, 21, eh, 20 through 23. Let's read all of them. My son, keep your father's commands and forsake not your mother's teaching. Bind them on your heart continually. Tie them around your neck. When you walk, they will guide you. When you lie down, they will watch over you. And when you wake up, they will speak to you. For the commandments are a lamp and Torah is a light. Okay, so this is all throughout the Older Testament. Torah is a light is a very common phrase to be found. As we see here in Proverbs chapter 6. Yahweh's commandments are a lamp, and Torah is a light. Isaiah 49 verse 6. Is it too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and bring back the preserved of Israel? I will make you as a light for the nations, that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. So let's connect this with part one. And, and this is another uh, another biblical account of the exact same thing we've already read three times in part one. I will make you as a light for the Goyim nations, for the people. 
so that my Yeshua, my salvation, may reach to the end of the earth. Psalm chapter 27, verse 1. Yahweh is my light and my Yeshua. Whom shall I fear? So here we are again. Yahweh, the creator, the one who in Genesis chapter 1, verse 3 spoke that phrase of just four words, let there be light. This creator is our light and our Yeshua and our salvation. Psalm chapter 119, your commandments make me wiser than my enemies, for they are mine forever. I have more insight than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I have gained more understanding than all my elders, for I have kept your precepts. I kept my feet from every evil way in order to follow your word. I do not turn away from your rulings, for you yourself have taught me. How sweet is your word to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. From your precepts I get discernment. Therefore, I hate every false way. Okay, now here's David, uh, uh, an elaborated version of the other verse I already said in in, uh, part one, which is, I love your law. I love your ways. He's saying this here in every possible way. (laughs) He's making this as full as he knows how. Your testimonies are my meditation. Testimonies. Um, I've kept your precepts. Um, I follow your word. I don't turn away from your rulings. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> and then even another, your precepts, from them I get discernment. All these, he's, he's, he's elaborately describing how he loves his father's commands. He loves his ways. And therefore, because of this, I hate every false way. Friend, you will never know false ways until you know the right ways. You won't know the imitation until you know the real. And he finishes up this part of Psalm 119 with, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. For some who are watching this, that verse will change significantly for the rest of their days, is my prayer. Your understanding of that, I hope, will expand after what I'm presenting in this series. Isaiah chapter 42, verse 5. Thus saith Yahweh, who created the heavens and stretched them out. Oh, here we are. Okay. Creation reference. He created the heavens and stretched them out. We already talked about that back from chapter 1, where he set everything in place. He created, and then doot, 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 doot. He placed it all. Probably didn't sound much like that. And uh, he put it in their place, in their fixed position, to move about as he prescribed. So Isaiah is referencing him as this creator in this instance. Does that matter? Let's see. So, so thus says this, this, this Elohim, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk in it, I am Yahweh. I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and I will keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations, to open the eyes that are blind. Hmm. Oh my gosh. You know what? Hey, honey, you know what? This guy's reading all this Old Testament stuff and it sounds just like the New Testament. Have you heard this before? No, honey. 
Sorry. It's the same. It's Shaul's encounter of Yeshua himself, the living Torah, who didn't come to get get rid of his father's perfect law, friends. Let us follow along. So, Yahweh's saying, I'm going to give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations, to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison, those who sit in darkness. So here we are now, metaphorically speaking, I would say, now he's connecting, this is my understanding. When I read this, I put creation condition and humanity side by side, and I examine them both because the verbiage is the same. So now we have humanity, the nations, the Gentiles, the Goyim people, in the same condition as earth. Darkness. Nothing. The Spirit hovers over. That's not a New Testament thing now. There's activity in Father, Creator Father, Creator of all things, is, is doing His work. He's speaking life, 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 life out of nothing. And now we have humanity. Same dark condition. Corrupt. Chaos. We know the Bible says if we study creation, there's chaos. There's, there's stuff going on that just takes some real thinking to ask questions. What's, what's, what and why? So the prophecy continues. That these people who sit in the darkness in these prisons are going to be set free and their, their blinded eyes are going to open. Sounds like Shaul. Sounds like Yeshua. Sounds like all the stuff we read in the Newer Testament about the condition of humanity. Until what? Until Yeshua salvation comes and opens their eyes. And what preceded that was, was Father's ways, Torah being the light. You understand what I'm presenting? Yeshua, Torah, light. Let there be light. Continuing on. Have I lost my place? I get all worked up and then I lose my place. No, Isaiah 42.5. Oh, gosh. It just it looks the same because it's so repetitive. I'm like, I already read that. No, that's a whole nother reference. <laughs> Isaiah chapter 2, this talks about the millennial kingdom. It will come to pass in the last days that the mountain of Yahweh's house will stand firm as head of the mountains and will be exalted above the hills. So all nations will flow to it. Then many peoples will go, and this is what they will say, the goyim that are coming in. Come, let us go up to the mountain of Yahweh, to the house of the Elohim of Jacob. Then he will teach us his ways. What? He will teach us his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For Torah will go forth from Zion and the word of Yahweh from Jerusalem. Verse 5 ends with, quote, Come, house of Jacob, let us walk in the light of Yahweh. Friends, we can argue with one another. We can disagree and we can say, well, I don't, I'm not a Jew. I don't believe in the Hebrew Roots movement or whatever we want to call anything. But friends, what do you say about the word of God? How do we argue with it? How do we argue with the prophesied age from Isaiah 
of what will be taking place when the nations that have been scattered are called back in. And as, as we always say, there is criteria. There is a governmental order to Father's kingdom. There was, is, and always will be for his people to abide by and live within the confines and safety of. And Torah will go, go forth from Zion in the word of Yahweh from Jerusalem. So come and let us walk in the light of Yahweh. Can something that's been abolished and eradicated by Messiah's coming be, be so established and intact in a prophesied age where Yahweh's marked, set-apart, holy, consecrated people are living? I would say no way, no how. It's impossible. Isaiah 8, 19 speaks of a warning to, to what I call Yahweh's remnant people. When they say to you, consult the mediums and the necromancers who chirp and mutter, shouldn't a people seek their Elohim? Should a people consult the dead on behalf of the living? To Torah and to the testimony. If they do not speak according to this word, it's for a reason. Do you know what it is? <laughs> it is because they have no light. They have no truth. They have no absolutes. Friend, that is, that is partly in play today here on the earth. I hear preachers all the time. I heard it today. Why is the world so lost? Why are there no genders anymore? Why is the home broken? Why, why, why? Because there is no black and white. There is no law. And it's the fulfillment of prophecy. If you watch this channel with any regularity, I say it in 20 different ways all the time. We are moving to the culmination of the ages where it's prophesied that we will be a lawless people. Humanity will be governed by lawlessness. We were warned. We have been warned. What is lawlessness? What law are we talking about? It's not morality. It's not national law. It's not love God and love your neighbor alone in the sense of that's it and we don't know how that looks or what that pointed to. We have been told and we will be held responsible, all of us who claim to be believers and followers of Yahweh's ways. Isaiah chapter 51, verse 7. I told you Isaiah was full of light references as, as in regards to Torah and, and Yeshua both. Listen to me, you who know justice, a people with my Torah in their heart. Okay, here we are again. Jeremiah, the prophecy, right? I, I talk about it with regularity. The transfer of covenants from without to within. We've already touched it even here in this short series. The new covenant reality. Listen to you people who have, who have entered into the new covenant. You people who have my Torah in your heart. Don't, don't fear the taunt of men, nor be dismayed at their insults. For moth will eat them like a garment, and the worm will eat them like wool. But my righteousness, Yahweh Elohim says, will be forever. And my Yeshua, my salvation, will be for all generations. Okay? So he's speaking, this prophecy is saying about this age that's to come, you people, you who know my justice, you people 
who have my Torah in your heart. Now, friend, let me just ask a very specific pointed question. If you believe that Torah has been abolished, and this says a requirement is that the people who have Torah in their heart will be Yahweh's people, friend, what do you do with that? It's just a general question. It's not a jab at all. It's a literal question. How do you have to possess something that Yahweh says is a requirement for his people, that his Torah will be upon your heart? How do you have that in in your life if you say that that is an abolished thing? How do, you, how do we rationalize these things? I ask myself these questions now when I look back at my previous Christian life, and I have to just repent for my ignorance. Father, I didn't know you. I didn't know. I was ignorant. I was unlearned. And I was a little bit stiff-necked, hard-hearted, and depending upon the ways and traditions of my Christian forefathers who had abandoned Father's ways labeled them Jewish, and moved on with new Roman Catholic ideas. That's the Christian church, you know, Baptist, Protestant. It's a Catholic church. (laughs) Sunday, Lord's Day, Sabbath, get out of here. We already looked and said, those who keep my Sabbath, who make it holy, who set it apart. It's It's all the same. It's all wrapped up in this. In this, it's all the same. John chapter 1, in the beginning was what? We know the Word. The Word was with Yahweh, and the Word was Yahweh. He was with Yahweh in the beginning. All things were made through him, and apart from him, nothing was made that has come into being. So we're going back to creation again. We're going back to a creation marker all the way here in John chapter 1. In him was life, and the life was something, was what? The light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overpowered it. Now, now another word um, throughout the New Testament in Greek is this Shekinah, this light, and it's often synonymous with, with Father's glory, the presence of Yahweh himself. Shekinah is not Greek, but you know what I'm saying. I don't want to confuse you with my ignorance and my lack of being able to say things perfectly. When two of the disciples were on the road to Emmaus, in recounting this this man that they were with, they said something very interesting. Quote, when he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And then he vanished from their sight, which is somewhat comical. And so then these men say this. They say to one another, did not our hearts burn within us? While he talked to us on the road, make a note, please. Excuse me. Their hearts were burning within them. Okay? I'm going to move my Torah from without upon and into the hearts of men. I'm going to write it from, take it from hearts, take it from tablets of stone, and I'm going to write it now on the hearts. We've talked about that already, and we've talked about it endlessly before. I'm just saying this is an interesting wording here. So these men are saying this, and they're saying to each other, did not our hearts burn within us? Now, we, if we read this, it might be a stretch. If we just read that alone to make that connection with the Jeremiah prophecy about the new covenant reality, the Torah being written upon men's hearts. But it continues. Their hearts were burning 
And I would say, why? Because and then and then they answer our question, why? Because it continues with this: while he opened to us the scriptures, capital S, the law and the prophets. Do you understand that? He didn't tell them the book of John. He didn't recite to them the book of Romans, y'all. Do you understand that? Their their hearts that the that the Torah was going to be written upon, the prophecy fulfilled. These hearts were burning within them. And why? Because Yeshua, salvation, was opening up to them the law and the prophets and the Torah. Do you understand this beauty within this revelation of what the Messiah brought to humanity? He illuminated the Tanakh. He he shined him his very self upon it with these two individuals. And it it made their hearts, could we not say what we already read in the other scriptures? It made their hearts swell. It became alive in them. Because Yeshua personified both, the law and the prophets, man, front and center right there in a body of flesh. He did then and he does now. <laughs> He's the light of the entire world. We know that. And he desires to what? He desires, I would propose, to do today with us the same thing that he did with those two individuals on the road to Emmaus that very day. It's the exact same thing. I believe that when we truly encounter Messiah for who he really is, Rabbi Yeshua, the Jewish man who wore zitzit, who kept all the feasts and Sabbath, that man still desires to do what he did with these two individuals to open up to us the scriptures, capital S. Again, what were the scriptures that were being opened up to those two individuals on that afternoon? Those scriptures, the law and the prophets and the Torah itself, were sufficient to light these men. You hear the comparison I'm making to go back to our, our primary text, Genesis chapter 1, verse 3? Let there be light. And what? Something was in place to illuminate, not just sufficiently, that's just a tame word we could use, to sustain and provide life to Yahweh's beautiful creation. Friend, I hope this is making sense. It's teaching me right here, right now. It's teaching me as I'm saying it out of my own mouth. So let's bring it to an end. Here's the culmination of allowing Scripture alone, the, the eternal, beautiful Word of God, to define what is and what is not. This is going to be probably our next to last reference. Um, and this should cause all of us to be very sober-minded towards who Yeshua is. Uh, John chapter 5, verse 45. Do not think that I will accuse you before the Father. The one who accuses you is Moses, in whom you have put your hope. For if you were believing Moses, you would be believing me, because he wrote about me. But since you do not believe his writings, how will you ever believe my words? And see, Friends, this speaks so clearly to me of my, my, my Christian life up until three years, or years roughly ago. In the separation, 
as we just talked about in the last episode, of the separation of just what was and what is now for us. Because we've been guilty of that, I think this scripture is, is speaking to the point we're making of Torah being light, our light of life, equal with Yeshua salvation. If you were believing Moses, Yeshua said, you would believe me. Why? Because what he wrote was about me. <laughs> and since you don't believe what he wrote, how in the world will you ever believe my very words. What was he saying, friends? Yet another way of saying what he always said. My words are the Father's words. My commands are the Father's commands. My instruction is the Father's instruction. My precepts are my Father's precepts. Do you all not get what I'm saying? I believe that's what he was always trying to present to his followers and anyone else who would gather around and give him an ear to hear. Mark chapter 13, Yeshua gave us what I call a warning of sorts, a sign, at the very least, a sign that directly correlates to light, and even the sun and moon specifically, as light sources. Quote, And then, if anyone says to you, Look, here's the Messiah, or look, there he is, do not believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will rise up and show signs and wonders to lead astray, if possible, the chosen, the elect ones. So be careful. See, I have told you everything beforehand, but in those days, after that trouble, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from the heaven, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and great glory. Now listen to what I'm saying. We're almost done. Yeshua here is making a connection of a warning of what's to come to watch for. This is intimately acquainted with Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, because what is he saying? There's going to be a day when things change and are altered, and what what Father spoke into existence and said, let it be so, will be an identifier of something transpiring. The sun is going to go dark. The moon is not giving its light, and the stars begin to fall from heaven. So all of a sudden, there's a changing of the age, and what Father spoke that we said in, first, in uh, part one where Father spoke it and everything has just continued its pattern ever since, Yeshua, our salvation, is giving us a warning saying, look, when you see these things, y'all better be ready. Y'all, Well, to be clear, you better have been ready years before. But like in case you weren't paying attention, it's on now. Why? Creation is being altered. Father's let there be light declaration and setting in place, there's a shifting of the epochs of time. And finally, the culmination of all things, and please lean in and pay attention. We see a return to what we started with in Genesis chapter 1, verse 3. It is found, not surprisingly, in the prophecy of Isaiah. Chapter 60, verse 19. Father, breathe life into this and make it so clear to anyone who's listening. You will call your walls Yeshua, 
salvation. And your gates praise. No more will the sun be your light by day, nor the glow of the moon be your light, but Yahweh will be your everlasting light and your, and your Elohim for your glory. No more will your sun set, nor will your moon wane. Why? Why, friend? For Yahweh will be your everlasting light. As the days of your mourning come to an end, then your people will all, all be righteous. They will possess the land forever, the branch of his planting, the work of my hands that I may be glorified. The smallest will become a thousand and the least a mighty nation. I, Yahweh Elohim, will hasten it in its time. This is incredible. We see a culmination of the ages, friend. And the in-between right now is Torah and Yeshua. The light. As just, I mean, this, this could have been 15 parts, easily. But I believe the point is made. Creator of all things spoke, let there be light or and there it was. And it was Tov. It was good. It was incredibly awesome. It was perfection. And there will come a day when that perfection comes to a place that Yeshua just prophesied to us in Mark chapter 13. And all of a sudden, what? Something shifts. Culmination of the ages. The, the nations have been gathered back in through the blood of Yeshua, salvation. They enter into a covenant again that they should not be invited back into. We become a people who were formerly not a people. And we enter into a governmental rule and reign of Yeshua, Yeshua Messiah himself, where the Torah of his Father is still perfect in place, in order, and upon the hearts of all people present in Zion. And there won't even be need for a sun, moon, and stars anymore. Why? Because Yahweh Elohim is the light. Perfection. Enough to sustain a new humanity for all of eternity. And he will never grow dim or fade or turn to the right or to the left. So in conclusion, when Yahweh Creator said, let there be light, and there was light, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, what is the light that preceded the sun? Is it Yeshua? Is it Torah? Is it Yahweh? And I say, yes. Yes. All of the above. Because they are echad. They are inseparable. And to me, that is a beautiful thing. I hope you've seen what I have endeavored to allow the Word of God to teach us today. In the mysterious declaration 
of let there be light. This is the Path to Zion podcast. I am convinced we're rediscovering the ancient way. And it's changing my life and my household. And it's changing brothers and sisters around me as they have their own encounter of this incredible light that is changing lives all over the earth. What an incredible invitation that we can know this creator. <laughs> Blows my mind. Reach out to us at pathdesignpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to co- correspond with us, invite us to come to where you are. Come to where we are. Let's hang out. Let's talk. Let's, let's correspond and see what the Father would teach us. Help me to learn something I yet am ignorant of. And let us learn together this ancient way. It is being revealed in, in measures that we can't even fathom right now on this earth. And I'm so thankful to be a tiny part of it. Thank you for watching. Check back for more videos. I'm hoping more of them keep churning out. We're going to do Passover stuff, hopefully in the next few days. That's my goal. So thank you for watching. Amen.